0: Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. just go to PorkBun.com forward slash 24 That's pork PorkBun, dot com forward slash rocketshipfm 24 You'll save a dollar on your next domain.
1: As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore. AI safety and security it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit hackerone.com slash AI safety security. Again, hackerone.com slash AI safety security. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Michael Saka.
2: And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talked with Jock Pertle, the owner of Digital Exits. What do you guys think?
1: It was really interesting to hear a different uh, perspective. A lot of times you hear about these pop tech deals that are going down. And it was interesting to hear about what's selling a smaller company, uh, what you have to do to prepare for that. Yeah, there was a lot of
0: ways that you can get tripped up. And he kind of outlined a couple that have killed deals for him in the past. So if you're approaching an exit, this is a great way to get the opposite perspective. Let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy. This week, I talked to George Diab of Working On about why he uses Hover. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I've been using it for a long time. Probably 2012, I think. I love it. It's yeah. The prices are great. The interface is awesome. And... Um, I still have a few uh, domains out in, in some other places, and it, it, I'm just waiting to find some time and i move them all to the Hover a right. little bit. Yeah. Go to Hover.com
1: and use the code satisfied Customers to get 10% off your domain purchase today. CodeShip is a hosted continuous delivery service focusing on speed, security, and customizability. You can set up continuous integration in a matter of seconds and automatically deploy when your tests have passed. CodeShip supports both your GitHub and Bitbucket projects, and you can get started with CodeShip's free plan today. Should you decide to go with a premium plan, you can save 20% off of any plan for the next three months by using code ROCKETSHIP. Go to codeship.com slash ROCKETSHIP and check it out. So Jock, tell us about Digital Exits.
2: Sure, Digital Exits uh, is a brokerage firm that helps established online entrepreneurs find a buyer when they want to exit their company. Uh, sort of quick background: I come from a traditional valuation background, so I worked in the family business and have been doing you know valuations since I was a teenager. As in, like you know valuations of like restaurants and you know, mechanic shops and all that good stuff. Uh, and then I bought my first Adsense website in two thousand and nine uh and that was my sort of first foray into you know, trading you know web businesses so that's uh that's digital exits in a nutshell
1: so what do you find are the differences between traditional valuation and the valuation that occurs in tech or at least pop tech uh
2: in 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 essence, valuation is based on the ability to, pr- to produce uh, future free cash flow. And if you take that from accounting speak and put it into simple terms, you know, making profit in the future. And so the value of a company is going to be determined around basically a guess on how much money it can produce in the future. And then the more money that it can produce, the higher the valuation and vice versa. Uh, The the difference between sort of web business valuations and and brick-and-mortar business valuations is maybe a little bit more to do on the asset side. So you're probably going to have a little bit more plant and equipment you you might throw in a building or two into a traditional valuation but at its core, you know you're valuing the ability of the business to produce cash flow and that's, and that's how you value a company.
1: So the companies that are coming to you to broker a deal, are there similarities that you see across those? Are they at a certain stage or a certain revenue level?
2: Uh, we're generally dealing in sort of a hundred grand to five million in valuation uh, in the brokerage. Um, so we would, we would call that sort of the small to medium business market.
1: And is that you know, if that's the valuation, what does that break down to in terms of annual revenue?
2: So these businesses are trading sort of between two and four times cash flow. So what that means is if the business is producing a hundred grand in profit a year, then the valuation is gonna be between two times and four times that. So two to four hundred thousand dollars. Now, the smaller the business, generally the lower the multiple. So you're going to look at generally around the two times. Whereas if you've got you know a business that's producing you know two million in cash flow a year, then it might be somewhere around the four times earnings. Um, just purely from a risk risk standpoint, uh, you know, return on investment. You know, two times earnings is a fifty percent return on investment. Uh, four times earnings is a twenty five percent return on investment, so it 's just a sort of a risk reward equation
1: and what are some other things that entrepreneurs can do to increase that multiple?
2: Well, first of all, have a good business that makes money uh We get a lot of valuations where people you know send us a website they're like, oh it's got so much potential and blah blah blah. I'm like how much money does it make and the you know, it's zero so uh it's probably step one. Uh, but if if you've got a decent business um, and you want to improve the value, uh, again it comes down to that ability to produce um, profit. So focusing on you know customer lifetime value, conversion rates, you know, really, real basic business stuff in terms of growing your sales and reducing your revenue, uh, and then from uh, like a Value standpoint in the marketplace if you're the leader in the market and you've got very low churn with your customers, you're going to re- receive a lot higher valuation. Uh, if there's a level of defensibility about the business, which means that someone can't easily copy you tomorrow, that's going to increase the valuation. Uh, if you have, you know, some type of specific product or process or patent around. Something that's you know also defensible, that's another way that you're gonna increase the valuation. Uh selling when you're growing. So a business always has a traditional uh growth curve where it's startup phase, growth phase, plateau, and then decline. So it's you know like a like a camel's hump. And so selling technically at that point of just before plateau is the best time to sell the business, Uh, there's called the BCG uh, framework, uh, Boston Consulting Group framework or BCG matrix and uh, the matrix has four, four different categorizations on businesses. And then they're split into what's the relative market growth rate and what's the relative market share of that business. So it's four quadrants. So on the top left-hand corner is a star business, which is a high market growth rate and a high relative market share. So that's ability to produce cash. So that's a star. Then to the right, in the top right-hand corner, you've got a question mark, which is a high market growth rate. However, it's got a low relative market share, and the reason that it's a question mark is it's a question mark as to whether it can attain or achieve the highest market share. Then if you go to the bottom left-hand corner, you've got a cash cow, which is low market growth rate, however, a high market share. And then the final quadrant, which is the bottom right-hand corner, is a dog, which is Uh, low market growth rate and low market share. So that's the sort of decision matrix from a more institutionalized investor's standpoint on a business in terms of classification. So you can see there that they measure two things, the market growth rate. And there's a really good analogy that uh, when the tide rises, all boats rise And what that means is if you're in a market that's growing really, really fast, it doesn't matter if you're a good operator or a good business, just because the market is growing so much, then you're going to do well. And I'll take CrossFit, for example, is a market that has a high growth rate. So you could have a business selling products into the CrossFit market and not necessarily be the market leader, but be still making a lot of money. Uh, And then the other one was the relative market share. And so that's... In the ability to produce cash, so if you have the you know the market share, you know let's take uh, what's a perfect example. Let's take Uber for example. You know Uber is uh, in a high growth rate market and has the the highest market share. And if you look at Lyft in comparison, uh, their ability to grow sales is just dwarfed by Uber's market share. And so, uh. Uber is therefore a star business because of both those things. Now, because the market is growing so fast, Lyft still makes money. However, Uber's ability to generate cash versus Lyft's is like 10 to 1, purely for the fact that they just control so much market share.
1: So when you're dealing with a smaller company, how do you gauge the market share?
2: That's a really hard question. Uh, let's just take a, like a standard e-commerce business. Um you can gauge it by doing a little bit of investigation. Let's say you had an e-commerce business that sold um, hookers. And so you would probably, uh, if I was going to like research that market and figure out who the market leader was, I'd probably do a couple of things. I'd look first, all right? who's the leader on Google, as in the search rankings? Who's advertising on AdWords? Uh, who's the leader in Amazon? And then I would probably try and figure out who the suppliers are to that company and probably call them up and ask them, you know, who's buying the most volume of product off you. Um, Or you could just ring them all up and figure out how many units a month they're selling. Like there's, you know, a little bit of investigation is going to figure out who the market share is. And, you know, we were talking on before the call about, you know, my interest in, uh, Berkshire Hathaway and in value investing and Warren Buffett as an investor uh, just calls up the CEO and he's like, hey, man, I'm interested in investing in your company. Tell me about it. Or if you're looking to buy something, uh, you could be really cheeky and just pose as a customer and uh, be like, you know, I'm thinking of buying your product. Tell me a little bit about it. You know, how many orders are you doing a month? Like You sort of, you know, ask around the question of figuring out how much sales they're making. If the public, you know, if they're not going to be open to share the public data,
1: yeah. So for companies that are, you know, potentially going to be at this size and and they decide to sell for whatever reason at that stage, what could they do in the earlier stages to make sure that they're prepared for a sale? Is there any kind of you know before the due due diligence period? Is there anything that they have to do informing the company to make sure that it'll smooth the process later on?
2: Uh, so actually going through the process on this now where a deal's sort of in the balance because of a company not setting things up separately, the biggest deal killer in due diligence is approving uh, financials. So that's basically going line item by line item to the bank statement and you know, cross-correlating that between income and expenses. And uh, if you have two companies, separate the bank accounts uh, separate the expenses, don't lump everything in all together, because you're just going to kill the deal uh, at the point of due diligence, which is the point where you really don't want to kill the deal. So that's probably one thing is, you know, being able to prove track record on, you know, income and expenses. Um, what else do people need to pre-set up? Yeah, basically yeah. Uh, the ability to prove the claims. So when you claim that your business is making two million dollars a year in sales, you need to be able to prove that through showing the merchant account or the credit card processing statements or you know whatever it is because that's the biggest thing that's going to kill the deal. And
1: how are the broker fees set up? If you know, it sounds like a, a broker is a necessary uh, piece of this process, and there's a lot of due diligence that goes into it. Uh, what are the fees that are involved in that?
2: Standard market rate's 10%, uh, we charge 10%, most of our competitors charge 10%, uh, a couple of them charge a little bit more on certain deals, but that's, that's the expectation that you should be working with.
1: And what else goes into that due diligence process besides you know, comparing financials, which it sounds like is a, um, a pretty crazy process of going line by line way back into the history of the company. Uh, what else is involved?
2: Sure. So, there's probably going to be a couple of things. You're going to probably do a legal audit on the company, background check, that kind of thing. You're going to look at traffic stats for – you know. hopefully, you've got Google Google Analytics installed. Uh, You're going to have a look at the supplier uh, relationships, contracts, all that good stuff. You're probably going to do an inventory count if you've got a product-based business. You're going to interview key staff, uh, especially if they're key drivers in the business uh that's probably going to be sort of the main channels that you're going to look at during due diligence, but at the end of the day most of most of due diligence is going to be a financial audit or reconciliation, and then the other part of the the due diligence process is going to be you know how does the business run operationally in trying to figure that out
1: and besides issues with you know the company not being broken out separately. What's the other biggest cause of deals falling through that you see?
2: Uh, when an entrepreneur takes their foot off the pedal during the selling process and sales drop, uh, that happened to us the other day. Um, hmm. What else? When you
0: when and, you say that, I'm curious. Um, what did? Uh, what did that indicate i mean they the sales dropped when they took their foot off but was it advertising was it like the outbound sales that they were doing that they just stopped doing all of a sudden
2: i think they just stopped marketing marketing of the list you know trying to acquire new customers that kind of thing okay uh that yeah you know, the business dropped like 42% in four, you know year on year in, in the four months that we had it on the market and so that's wow. uh you know that doesn't bode well when uh, a buyer is doing his forecasted calculations and they're basing it on last year's revenue, and then you know this year they post forty percent lower numbers, and then you know just stuff doesn't feel good, and you know, buyers pull out, and rightly so.
1: Okay,
0: yeah,
2: that's interesting. Sorry, go on, go on. So, what else
1: besides uh, besides taking their foot off the gas pedal?
2: Um. I not know, if they're a crook, or, you know, if there's, some, <laughs> if there's some legal back history, like, you know, we try and vet people, or let me rephrase that, we do vet people before we deal with them, but, you know, stuff that is a bit of a curveball can kill the deal. Um, what else? I don't know, sometimes on the buyer side, you know, like their financing falls through, or, you know, they change their mind, they find another deal while they're going through uh, due diligence. Um Yeah, those are probably the main reasons.
1: Awesome. Well, this is super interesting to learn about, you know, a different side of selling than you normally hear about and I think, you know, no matter what stage you're at, there's probably always an option for for where to take the company. So, can you tell people where they can keep up with you online?
2: Sure, if they go to digitalexits.com. Um they can find me and a whole bunch of guides and reports that I created in a podcast, etc. cetera, uh, and they can go and check that out. Cool. Thanks so much for coming on. No worries, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocketship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website.
1: Check them out, rocketship.fm.
0: And be sure to check out our app discount section where we have discounts on products that we use every day like Woo Themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today.